I've made some comments in recent messages, and, and many of you are kind enough to write and say things and, and, uh, that helped me in, along the way. And I just touched on a subject, and so many of you have talked about it and said that it was a blessing to you, and it helped you and so forth. And out of that really came my thinking for the message today. I'm entitling the message, The Futility of Complaining. The Futility of Complaining. Now, before I go any further with this, and this is not for you to raise your hand, but question number one, how many of us are chronic, chronic complainers? Number two, how many of us know chronic complainers? Number three is, how many of you, of us, know chronic complainers? And they're sitting in this room right now, (laughs) or they're sitting with those of you that are watching television or listening to the radio. I think the subject is going to be relevant. I hope it'll be helpful. I assure you it'll be biblical. Father, I pray you'll bless now as we just open your word And make it a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And I pray, God, that you would just allow us today to know your word and to obey it and abide by it and reap the benefits that you promised when we follow you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, the scripture says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The first thing I want you to get focused on is, as a man thinketh, so is he. What we think results in what we do. In the book of Proverbs, 23rd chapter, verse 7, the Bible says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Research has confirmed much of what the Bible has always taught that we believe by faith. And every year, more and more of the Bible, by those that are wanting to throw the Bible out, are reading more of it because the Word is truth. It is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. We hide the words in our heart that we might not sin against God. Now, what research has shown is that most of us have a serious problem with being complainers. And the research is showing that huge things are happening to our health because we are complainers. All of us know, all of us know that there's a lot of things going on that would give us an open temptation to even increase our complaining. For instance, watching the news. For instance, watching the Astros (laughs) or the Texans or what's going on in Washington. We have a problem of focusing on everything with a heart that wants to complain. And I'll put church in there. A lot of people like to complain about church. 
any church. I mean, it's just something that got there some way or another, and that's what we're going to try to deal with this morning. Uh, There's a little booklet entitled Emotional Intelligence. And the two authors, Travis uh, Bradbury and Gene Greaves, said this from their research. Most people complain once a minute during a personal conversation. Now, what that means is if you talk for an hour, <laughs> I mean, you, you've got 60 minutes of, of you know, complaining. I mean, you, you all of a sudden find yourself, wow, you know, I changed subject, but I'm still complaining. Now, what else can I complain about? Well, let's talk about this, okay? Well, let's talk, talk about your problem, okay? But we just keep moving on and keep moving on and keep moving on. And whenever they did their research and they found this out and began to analyze it, knowing that, that we complained 60 times during a one-hour conversation, you know what they found out? It's highly contagious. <laughs> I mean, we're not only complaining, we're training complainers. <laughs> and especially if they think we're brilliant, they'll go out and tell everybody else what we told them, which was complaining about all these relevant subjects. And we're usually around other people when we complain. Now, some get so bad, they get in front of a mirror, I think, and complain. Or they just driving down the highway, listening to country western music or whatever, and they're complaining. And anything that comes in their mind, and by the way, if you're not careful, you will start talking to yourself, which is not serious until you start answering yourself. And that's when you need to call the doctor. But I want you to go back to the beginning of the Bible. Adam and Eve, male and female. So this is not one side sermon, all right? Adam and Eve began to have the problem. They didn't have a whole lot to talk about except the wow of creation. But all of a sudden, they both began to question God. They began to complain about how God was doing things. And they began to deal with, well, let me just pick up in Genesis chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. For God does know that in the day that you eat thereof, you remember the tree story, then your eyes shall be opened and you'll be as gods knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. Then what did she do? She shared it. She gave it to Adam, her husband, and he did eat. It started here and it goes to there. And in many places in the Bible, you will see this progression. And if you will think about your own life and situations you've been in recently, you have seen it and I have seen it. And I'm sure we've all in some way participated in it. So research that is being done, serious, scientific, medical research on the behavioral sciences, you'll study that your brain does not work any harder than it has to. Now, the best way to quit looking for truth is start complaining about what you already know. And that ties you up so you don't 
As a man thinketh, so is he. You don't move forward. You don't look at it as an opportunity to learn. You look at it as an opportunity to take a stand because everybody else is doing it and thinking that way. So I'm going to do the same thing. And when we repeat an action like complaining, the research says that the neurons in our brains branch out to each other to ease the flow of information. In other words, they get together. And they began to become very, very, very numb. And out of that can come high cholesterol, diabetes, heart disease, obesity, and even strokes. I mean, it really gets serious, humanly speaking, when you biblically pick up what I'm going to try to share with you today. And by the way, this is a, I'm still in the introduction. It's the longest introduction I've ever given you. But I want you to understand we got a problem. And biblically, it is real clear that we got a problem. The more you complain, the easier it gets. The more negative you become, the more negative you're going to grow. I can remember my own mother when I was a little child. And she didn't do it because of medical research, but just I think God put it in her heart. To caution me over and over, don't be a complainer. She'd tell me, eat whatever's on your plate. Have you ever been to a restaurant with complainers eating with you? It's too hot, too cold, too sweet. Don't you have one of this? Is that all you got? I mean, let's eat. Would somebody pray that we quit complaining and eat? And if you don't like it, put it on somebody else's plate and they'll eat it. But we get all caught up and wonder, what's going on? Watch these athletes. Watch them complain. There's always something going on. Watch just ordinary people like us. If we're not complaining, we'll think of something by dark tonight. And in fact, I may be giving you some things right now you can complain about on your way home. <laughs> but when this is all over with, there may be something good because all things work together for good to those that love the Lord. Most people that find out they're sick say, I think I'm going to go to the doctor. I think I'm going to get a checkup. And if I am, I hope there's some way they can treat it. And by the way, if this is a disease that you have, God can take care of it. God can change us instantaneously. When our life becomes like him who went about doing good, Jesus went about encouraging people he helped them to understand, even the prostitute, that you can go and sin no more. There's a future ahead. Just move on. Your complaining is not helping your marriage. It's not helping your relationship. It's not getting you a promotion in your uh, company that you work for. It's not making you a better athlete. It's not making you a better person. It's not making you a better friend. Whenever the brain begins to be numb from doing nothing, that's when it begins to shrink. And that's when all of these diseases begin to show up. Now, what is the root cause of complaining? Now think with me this morning. What is the root cause? The Bible says a merry heart does good like a medicine. But what is the root cause? Now we're going to get off the introduction, and I'm going to try to help us see it. 
Complaining is a result of failing to recognize the mighty hand of God as he purposes in our lives for it to be. It is our rebellion against a holy God. His ways, he said, you don't, you're not going to see it like I do, but I want you to follow me. And one day, I will explain it to you. But my orders to you today is to the lost is to be saved, to invite Jesus Christ to come into your life. Find you a good guide. If you're lost, you want help. Well, be still and know that he is God. He tells you what to say. He tells you what to do. He tells you who to do it with. He tells you what you're supposed to do with your life. He guides you into all truth. But when you're a complainer, subconsciously, you begin to question the will of God. The truth this morning is, if you knew for a fact that Jesus Christ was coming before sundown today in Houston, Texas, every person in this room would want to be saved. This book does say, in such a moment as you think not, the Son of Man is coming. When that happens, former things pass away and all things become new. But you can say what you want to, or you can say, as for me and my house, we are going to follow the Lord. There's an old story in the Bible It relates to the circumstances around these people. What they did was what we're doing. We see what's going on around us, and we got a problem with it. So rather than going to the one that can solve the problem, we start complaining about the situation. And it's easy. If you're one of these, it's easy to knock one of those. If you're one of these, it's easy to knock this one. It's difficult to be still and know that he's God and to seek God while he may be found. What is God's will for you? What is God's will for your family? What is God's will for America? What is God's will for this generation? What is the will of God? Now, am I going to follow that will or am I going to do like others and go my way? Well, of course, the story is a nation of Israel. They were God's chosen people. But they had escaped some cruel slavery in Egypt. When you go back and read those passages in the Old Testament, things were horrible, absolutely horrible for the people of God. However, the Bible says when they, God opened the sea, God led them to dry ground. You know what the Bible says about those complainers of months before and years before? The word is they rejoiced. They rejoiced. They were thrilled to death. You say, well, I would be too. That's the good news. Read your Bible. Three days later, they were complaining. Does that sound like any of us? God blesses you with a wonderful blessing. Oh, man, you, let me tell you, this is one Sunday morning. Let me tell you what God did this week. I got a new grandbaby. I got this. Doctor says my cancer is gone. Okay, what about the next Sunday? 
Oh, I tell you what, I got another problem. I got another, I got a bad story to tell you. You know what? There's a time to grieve and there's time to rejoice. The time to rejoice is if you got a problem to know there's a solution. And if you got a spiritual problem, I got a solution for you. The blood of Christ cleanses from all sin. If complaining against a holy God is a sin, there is a 100% guarantee cure if you are willing to be born again. Or you can do what you've always done and go with the majority. And I guarantee you the majority of the people that will hear this sermon today will not believe most of it to be true. But I can assure you biblically it is true. God has planned from the beginning of the age what he wants to do, and he's going to do it. And we're not going to change that. He's going to do it. He says, no good thing will I withhold from those that love me. Wow. Exodus 15, 24 said, the people murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink? We need something. Already complaining. If you go in the Bible and you go 45 days later, not three days, let's go 45 days. Exodus 16, 2. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Where did it start? Murmuring against God. Where did it go? To your friends. You see, the reason it gets to your friends is because it's been a bad day with God. When you get with God and you understand how much God loves you just like you are, how God's got a plan for your life, how he had it before you were ever born, or your mother and dad even knew that they were going to have a child. God had a plan for you. That plan was going to bring glory to him in some way, and all of our plans are different. But when we take the position of simply going with the flow, going with the culture, get in on whatever the hot news is so you can debate it wherever you go, rather than be still and know that he is God. What would happen to America if we prayed like we watch television or whatever? What if we prayed that much? You say, well, I, about three minutes that pray and I'm ready, I'm through. You know, I've run out of stuff to say. That's the problem. You're not supposed to be doing the talking. You're supposed to be still and know that he's God. Be a good listener. That's where you learn. You don't learn anything by what you say. You already know that. You learn by letting somebody else speak into your life. Well, the complaining continued in the Bible story for 40 years. And Moses pointed out to them that they were not murmuring against him. They were not murmuring against Aaron they were murmuring against God can you imagine how shocking that news was when it began to spread is it shocking to you if we indeed have become a nation and a people and a person that doesn't really care what God does I don't want to think we were there because I think if we were, the Lord would come today, and he may. Amen. But I do know this. I do know this, that God wants his people to trust him. 
and to listen to him and to follow him. In that 16th chapter, verse 8, here's what Moses said. This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord hears your murmurings, which you murmur against him, and what are we? And that's where he says, your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. Again, he says, be careful. God say, you better listen to me. Your complaining is getting on my nerves. Well, why were they upset? Real easy. This is not a real hard theological question. You know why they got mad at God? The reason they got mad at God is because God's ways wasn't their way. See, that's what a lot of people are looking for God to change his mind and just tell America, eat, drink, and be merry, have a good time, no rules, no laws, no nothing, just go have a ball. That's not God's way. That's not his way. So we have to stop and say, all right, you want God to supply your need or you want this world to supply your need? Are you depending on the banking system of America? Are you depending on the government or even the church to supply your need? Are you waiting on God to supply your need? If God supplies, there's endless, endless amount of love and forgiveness that he can pour upon you. His grace is sufficient. His ways are higher than the world's ways. His power, all power is given to him in heaven and earth. So who you think is going to win in the end? As we run around talking about who we think is going to win the World Series and who's going to win the Super Bowl this year, we need to know who's going to win when the trumpet blows. And you know who's going to win? The dead in Christ and those which are alive and remain, and we'll go to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. There's not a one of us here that does not face temptation every day, every day. And you know the sad thing about us complaining we always share it with somebody who can't help us. Think about it. Next time you start complaining to somebody, you just stop for just a minute, take you another sip of Coke, and say, I'm not sure you can help me. You know, if they're as broke as you are, don't tell them about how broke you are and want them to help you. What you want to do is turn people to God and say, Follow me. I don't know where I'm going either. I, I know this. I'm bound for the promised land. I don't know whether we're going to go down Highway 10, 45, 59. I don't know which highway we're taking, but I'm bound for the promised land. And who'll come go with me? Because I'm bound for the promised land. Well, they asked Moses for food and water. Let me ask you a question. Now, if you're a farmer, how big a farm would he have to have to feed 2 million people? How many cows would that guy have to have? And that's before they had processing plants. I mean, there was no way he could do that. So they go, Moses, please give us this, give us this, give us that, give us that. Moses says, don't have it. But there is a God that can rain it down. And I want you to know, my dear friends that haven't been here before when I've said this many times, and I said it last week at a wild game dinner, in Rocheron, where we saw 30 men give their heart to Christ last Sunday night uh, out here on Highway 288. And I told them this, and I'm going to tell it to you for the three of you that hadn't heard me say this. God rained down, according to the Scripture, quail out of heaven 
to feed his people. Nobody ever gave any of you a quail to eat. They gave you their frog legs, their raccoons, their deer meat that was been three years in their freezer and everything else. But nobody gives you quail but God. He picked the best meat ever produced and rained it on them and they had a quail dinner while we're eating three-year-old venison. That's the kind of God we serve. If God says to you, it's about the time you're making a decision in your life, do this. But there's some question about, is that really God's will? If it's God's will, that's what you want to seek. If it's not God's will, that's what you want to walk away from. That is critically important. You have to be willing to walk away. Some people can't walk away from a bargain. They go into the store with $400. It's on sale for $200. They save $200. They feel so good when they're checking out. And they go buy and buy something else that costs $200. With the money they just saved. They hadn't saved anything. And that's the way we do. We go around believing that we're not going to have to pay for our sin. We believe that one day God's so good he's going to say, okay, y'all are all forgiven. I was just kidding you about the blood. I just, I just sent my son to die on a cross and, and shed his blood for you. That was just something I thought up of. No, the blood of Jesus is the only thing that cleanses from sin. He is the only way. He is, has all power. He knows where we're going and where he wants us to be throughout all eternity. Moses had no way to solve the people's problems, but God has every way to solve ours. Philippians 4.19. If I've signed your Bible, I may have put this in that Bible. My dad did in his for 40 years before, and I have done it many, many times, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You know what? God's storehouse you haven't seen. God has in store and prepared a place for you. Remember that scripture? You haven't seen it. You don't know whether it's going to be one story, two story. You don't know whether it's going to be wood, brick, or ice, igloo. You don't know. But God says, I prepared a place for you. That where I am, he said, there you can be also. You know what? If it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. It's good enough for me. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is my other favorite scripture. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. The way to quit complaining is to start following him and to trust him and to be able to sing blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. God has a plan for your life. Your complaining is doing nothing to change the will of God. It's doing everything to destroy your relationships here. And you can either go out of here or turn off the television or the internet or whatever might be going on right now, and you can make the choice, I'm going with God or I'm going to stay in this rut until God calls me home. 
And in my lifetime, the ruts have gotten deeper. They've gotten harder to get out of. The tempter is working stronger than ever before. And his power is unbelievable. But I know one that has greater power. And I know how to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. I know to say, help. And they say, phone out order. You never want to make an emergency call. And they say, sorry, but our, our guys got off at five. Call back at six in the morning. That's when they're back at work. I'm, I've got a 24-7 God. I've got a God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't have to figure him out every day. I know where to go for instructions. I know that my choice is learn it, memorize it when you can, either believe it or reject it, and then be willing to accept the consequences. In a panic, when Paul was in jail, a jailer cried out when the bars came down. And that one that executed Christians, the Apostle Paul, when the gates were knocked down, the jailer that held the key to the cell, having experienced for a little while some real godly born-again believers in his jail, even a man that murdered Christians that ended up writing much of the New Testament. And if you remember the story, you remember that he got saved. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. They left the jail. They went to the house. The whole family was saved and baptized. And you know what? When those doors opened and those bands were loosed and the foundation was shaken and Paul cried out to the, to the jailer. He was going crazy, it must have been. And here's what he said. He said, do yourself no harm. We're still here. And he called for the light. And then it's that wonderful 30th chapter when he, having seen men who he knew to one time be executioners of Christians, praying to a holy God and the jail falling down and them being set free, that man saw the real thing. Not a bunch of complaining so-called Christians, but men that had released their life to God and see the God come. And then he says in the 30th verse of the 16th chapter of Acts, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And the answer came, in the 31st verse, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your house. Salvation came that day. He told them how they could be saved from the temporary mess to an eternal bliss. The jailer took them home. You say, I, don't, I just wonder if he is saved. Well, if you read the 33rd verse, it says he washed their stripes. The man that put them there washed them off. He made restitution. Let me tell you, when you get saved, you got to be willing to go back and say, I made a mistake. Please forgive me. Amen. And then he was baptized. That's the second reason I know he was saved. A lot of you say, I've been saved. You've never been baptized. That's the command of the Lord, to be baptized. Not for salvation, but it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Be baptized. This guy was baptized immediately. Next thing we see, he started serving, like mowing grass, you know, on Saturday, that kind of thing. Started serving. 
brought them a meal. Hey, folks, that's what Christians do. They serve. They don't ask to be served and complain when they don't get served. They just served. And then verse 34 says he rejoiced with them. He got happy. He was so thrilled. Joy came instead of complaining. I mean, they'd go home and they'd be telling you every day, I tell you, you've changed so much today. I just love you so much. You're so sweet. You're just so wonderful. I mean, you'll get tired of it. But I hope you won't complain. The best part of this whole story was that Philippian jailer went home and he led his whole family to Jesus. Wow. Wow. Anybody need any kids saved? Any grandkids saved in your family? Are they all saved? Do you want to be saved? Nieces, nephews, whatever. I think we want to go to heaven. We want our family to be there. And we can sing here. When we all get to heaven, what a day of complaining that will be. No, wait, what was the word? <laughs> For the day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory.